Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the newest edition of our podcast. Um, we're here just to talk about a few different things today. Uh, we do have a special guest here, uh, GT from, from the Twitch chat. Um, How are you guys? So today, uh, our main points are going to be about the conference finals and the NBA finals, kind of just overall thoughts and predictions for the NBA finals. We're also going to talk about coaching scenarios and uh, people who have gotten hired, people who have gotten fired as of recently because a couple names circulating. Um, and I think that was – oh, we'll talk about Victor Oladipo as well. Uh, Oladipo was a big name that has been popping up a little bit in uh, trade talks as he's, you know, we'll explore that a little bit later. All right, so who wants to start off with, uh, you guys want to start Eastern or Western Conference? Um, I mean, the best conference finals was the Eastern Conference finals because it That's wasn't. That's true. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that was actually, they were games um, as good right. as Denver fought in the West. It's just, <clears throat> they weren't able to do it. But uh, I, I'll be the first to say that I was wrong. I thought Boston was taking it, but uh we like we were talking right before this they just didn't have what they need to score you know it just Miami's too good defensively and Jimmy Butler and Adebayo are just monsters <laughs> and I mean Hero and Duncan Robinson like they just kind of came out of nowhere uh <clears throat> it's uh that's a hell of a team man yeah that's yeah, to say the least that, that's a hell of a team um, I know for sure, like, I watched game six, most of it actually, like, Buffalo Wild Wings, and, uh, you know, it was pretty close in the first half, it was, it was like a one-point difference at the half, and then at the second half, you just saw Miami pull away, especially the fourth quarter, um, I mean, Bam, if I'm not mistaken, Bam Adebayo dropped, like, 30-something points, it's like, if it's not one person dropping, you know, hella points, like, Adebayo, it's like Tyler Hero, if it's not Tyler Hero, it's Butler, if it's not Butler, it's tragic. If it's not tragic, it's Duncan Robinson. It's just they have so many pieces that can that can help them to the NBA Finals, which we just saw in, in the series. Yeah, for sure. I think it's um, I think it's a huge step for the young pieces as well because uh, Miami's been really investing for a long period of time now in their undrafted rookies in their mid to late round uh, first round picks, and they really took a step up this series, and it took them. It took them past the Celtics, who are an exceptional postseason team, both offensively and defensively. It's it's really impressive because you've got two of the best strategic coaches in the NBA, Swalshire and Stevens, and for any team to break them down is them, as in the Celtics, would have been fantastic. But in the fashion in which they did it, which was you, know, you hit them with a three, you drove, the, you drove the paint, you ran the pick and roll between Dragic and Bam really efficiently, and um, you really exploited the major problems that Boston have, which aren't many, but they do all count up in the end. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I think we were talking, you know, we were talking like last podcast and, and earlier now before the podcast, there's a couple of things that really con- contributed to Boston's downfall. Um you know, we were talking a little bit about Jason Tatum and, and his low IQ shooting. You know, how many times did we see Tatum get the ball, go waste three seconds on the shot clock, and shoot a, a horrible three with 21 seconds left without even making a play? Like, that, it's those types of shots that, uh, you know, they don't make a player, and it's Jason Tatum's team. So he has to lead that team. And, and obviously, you know, 
yes, they played great, but they just didn't do it. They didn't do it. I think I think that leads more back to inexperience, though, because you got to think, you know, while he's been a core part of the team, um, it wasn't always his team, right? Sure. So now it's it's that it's that leadership role that he's got to step into, and uh, he's got to he's got to fill. Um, I he did well, um, obviously, but he's just got a lot of of learning to do, and. Uh, you know, he was he was up against um, Jimmy Butler, who is clearly ready to take over a, a team and, and take him to the finals. Um, had the experience in the playoffs, played for <clears throat> Thibodeau, you know, with that defense and, and mm. learned how to just manage a defense. Because, um, you know, if you remember when he was on the Bulls, he was – you know, next to Noah at that point, him and Noah were, were the defensive anchors to that team. You just, you stuck Jimmy Butler on anybody you wanted. So, um, it, uh, I, I think he was just a little bit outmatched this series. You know, Jimmy's just too good. But I think the ceiling is stupid high for the Celtics if Tatum can learn to, um, you know, create those shots or, or lead them on, on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I agree. I think as well, you got to really, you got to give props to the 23-year-old, 22-year-old, I think he's 23, um, in Tatum, who's really trying to, you know, flourish in his own role and, and help his teammates. But at the same time, you got to you got to talk talk about it the way it is. He took a lot of low IQ shots. You were right with that. Um, in particular, in crunch time, he would either dribble the ball out 15, 16 seconds and then pull up for a contested 35-footer, which is not ideal in any situation, especially a team that's down two or, or down one. You know, it's, it's pretty demoralizing for your team when you miss those shots. And also when you're up by two or you're up by three and you should be holding the ball in those situations to waste as much clock, but you're taking a shot two, three seconds of the shot clock. You're trying to drive to the rim or you're pulling up mid-range. It's just those are things that come with age and that's you say Jimmy Butler's got that. It's because you know he's been there. He's done that. He's made, um, he's made those mistakes. He's, he's he's played through those situations and he's come out the other side. But um, that also brings it to another point with Celtics. They don't really have a lot of veteran talent on that team or veteran leadership, like you see with Miami. They have Udonis Haslam doesn't play much, but he does. He's uh, big on the off the bench. Um, Eagle Dala. They, they do provide a lot more and. I feel like for Tatum to take the next step, you need to surround him with people that could teach him in, and um, help him in those roles late in games. No, for sure. I, I 100% agree. Um, you know, I, I'm i still – you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm really tore up about uh, Kemba Walker. Um, I thought that that was going to provide a lot more than it did. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think that – I think that Boston needs to start looking at – at moving some pieces around to get veterans near him uh, that who have done it, um, who can teach him what to do in those times. Cause he's going to be your guy. Um, I'm, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. The one, <clears throat> the one outlier on Boston that really sticks out to me that just still to this day doesn't make sense um, when they play their game is Hayward. It just, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't make sense to me on that team. Absolutely. And, and I think like right now is the perfect opportunity for them to sit down and go, okay, cool. You know, um, 
he's not as productive as he used to be. Right. And, and that's just, uh, I think that's a circumstance, right. Um, you know, when he was, uh, when he was the main guy, he did well, you know, they ran the whole system around him, but now he's just kind of a fit in player. I think that, you know, to your point, getting some veterans in there, he could be a huge trade piece um, to start bringing some of those veterans or, or another, just another player that can help kind of alleviate the pressure as what they thought Kemba was going to do. And and obviously didn't. Well, with Kemba, Kemba is a very interesting uh, topic because you're right. They were, they thought they were buying um, someone who could not only help them on the court, but off the court as well, you know, present themselves. But when you think about the career Kemba's had up to this point, um, excluding obviously this year, it's been low seed, missing out of the playoffs, um, running a whole offense through him. You've picked, you've basically picked up a sophomore-minded player in the terms of playoffs, and you haven't really done anything with that. You haven't, they haven't been able to maximize his experience and transfer that to the Celtics. That's what, in my opinion the whole Kyrie situation was about because while on the court, he wasn't helping them. He's a very, I won't say selfish, but a, a, a go-to scorer in his own sense and he can take his own shot. So can Kemba. But one thing that Kyrie provided was the insight to how to win those finals and who can take those final shots because which, with what we saw, I don't think that Jalen Brown, who missed a couple wide open threes to win a, a, two of those games, if I'm not mistaken, as well as Tatum missed a couple of shots to, to stop it from going overtime. Um, and they ended up losing that game. So with Kemba, it's all a matter of time now because you can stick the course and try and ex- get that experience under his belt and then it can flourish. Or you'll have to look to bring in new veteran leadership, people who've been to the playoffs in those situations that can actually help a team down the stretch in crunch time. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I'm still a huge – I still I, – I still – even as much as I talk about it, I still think that uh, <clears throat> Kemba Walker is going to be good for them in the long run. I think that his skill set on offense um, will play really well into what they need. Uh, like you were talking earlier, um, better spacing of the floor, him being able to attack the basket. I don't know if this was just, you know, I, I don't know if this is just the first season weird getting into the offense thing for him, but he normally does a lot better at getting to the basket and, and drawing defenders and things like that. So um, I think that he's going to be a great piece down the road personally, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, just a point back to Gordon Hayward. Um, he's actually got a player option this year. And according to a CBS sports article, uh, he's likely to pick up that option and it's, it's worth over $34 million. Um, so that's just, that's taken up a lot of space in, in the Celtics cap. Um, and it's also later in that article also says Jason Tatum is going to be in line for a max extension that I, I don't think that comes as like the, the J uh, the Jason Tatum max or the max extension that comes as no surprise to anyone, but I mean, 34 million on a player option for Gordon Hayward. Isn't that a bit much for, for how little he's performed? Like mind you, I understand he he's had injuries, but, when does it become a Derrick Rose? Well, and, and you know, like, 
so but you get you got to think back okay you got to think back of when the celtics actually got him what yeah. they saw right like you got to look at what they saw and, and you're thinking to yourself okay well um we saw a player that can actually just take over a game at any time, score at will. So what he's getting paid now was for what he did previously. Um, You know, there is multiple different reasons as to why he could be playing like this. You know, it could be the injuries, the injuries could be getting to him. It could be the offense isn't suited to his um, game as it was previously. Um, Yeah. Who knows, right? Until he moves, who knows? But that's why I say, of course, he's going to pick up the option. It's $34 million. Um, So he's going to take that at any time, and he's going to be on a team that's still going to get to the playoffs. He's not going to get shipped off somewhere that's terrible and where he's going to miss the playoffs for the next five years. Um, so that's why I think it's it's on the Celtics now to evaluate that situation and say, okay, cool. He's got $34 million, but he definitely doesn't fit what we need to do at this point. And mm. he definitely didn't fit in the playoffs either. So right. now it's up to the Celtics to be like, okay, um, we need to start looking for options and, and paying attention to who's on the market, what they can do, um, you know, how, how, they, how they unload that, but yet bring in enough to push them forward. I've, I 100% agree with what you're saying. Um, and back with Gordon Hayward, I think that the system, he's been out for so long now that they've had to adapt without him. They've had to not make a whole new offense, but incorporate different people at different times. So Gordon Hayward's falling out of that rotation. You saw that he was actually healthy, in my opinion, in game one and two to play. But Brad Stevens needed to get a, 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 he needed to gauge the room to see what was happening um, with the Heat's offense, how he could slide him in. And I feel though, even though they won the first game that he was there, I don't feel like he was suited to the offense at any point in time. I feel like he was just out there to get points to become the focal point. But, and while he did have, I'm not saying in a bad game, I think he scored quite efficiently when he was called upon, but I feel like there's so much more potential with him as a trade piece than him in an offense that already has enough shooting, perimeter shooting, um, off the dribble shooting, pull up threes. They, they have, they have that, they have that versatility, but, um, a name that I saw, I think this was a couple of months ago, um, that keeps popping up is a, is an Andre Drummond. And while he doesn't provide that shooting, what he does provide is that uh, interior defense, offensive defensive rebounding. And he's actually $10 million less than what Gabe, uh, Hayward would do. So, and Drummond's on the, Cle- in, on the Cleveland roster, which actually has a lot of cap room, which they're not going to be able to use because no one's going to want to play for a team like that at this point in time. But I feel like Hayward now has proven that he was great for the time that he was picked up. But at this time where they've developed a whole new offense around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kemba, he's now found more value as a trade piece. No, for sure. See, here's the thing though. Here's what I will say. So you said he doesn't, Andre Drummond doesn't really give you, um, as much offensively, I, I mean, to an extent, though, because if you look at his earlier years, I mean, the, the guy is 17 points. I mean, he's gone down, you know, obviously. Um, actually, no, I apologize. He's gone up. I'm, I'm reading that wrong. He's actually um, up around the same average um, 
as uh, Gordon Hayward. So that's actually, you know, I didn't even really think about it. That's a really good idea, to be honest. Um, it, it fills a lot of gaps for Boston. Um, and I think that he's got a, a good enough um, post game and, and they can open up the post for him to be able to uh, to maybe even score a little bit more. I mean, his rebounds at 15.2, uh, that, that would help them tremendously. The, you know, um, the amount of times Adebayo just took them to town on the boards was just ridiculous. There's, there's no reason for it, but you know, kind of, it is what it is, but that's actually a really good trade. I like that trade a lot. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Sorry. No, you're good. One last point. Um, so yeah, Andre Drummond has a player option next uh, year. And as you're saying, GT, uh, his player option will be for about 28.7 million, which is about five to 6 million less than Hayward. But I'm reading uh, two days ago, um, which obviously this would be a trade, um, barring that that Hayward opts into his um, player option, that uh, Andre Drummond is also likely to opt in for next season. So I think at base value, if you give the Cavs Gordon Hayward and you take Andre Drummond, I mean, think about the second chance opportunities you're going to get on the offense. You're going to have Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, and and Jason Tatum miss their shots. Well, who's going to be the rebound it? Andre Drummond. You can just put it back up. That's easy points. I think that system that, that the Celtics have will benefit Andre Drummond, not only, um, you know, with rebounds, but in, in terms of second chance points. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a good idea. I really do. That's I never even really thought about that, but I like that a lot, to be honest. All right. Yeah, and with that, would you guys like to go to Western Conference? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, what what what, uh, so, what much is there to uh, say? It's LeBron James again. I was gonna say I got one word, LeBron. Okay, next topic. <laughs> no, it's, it's 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 hard. I, I here here's what I will say, and and I tweeted this out too. Denver just showed the world that they're going to be a team to beat for a long time. If they stay together, they're going to be a team to beat. Like that resolve that they showed in that playoffs was just stupid, right? Um, and as you have LeBron getting older, um, and, and so of course, you, you know, the Lakers are still the Lakers and Anthony Davis is still there, but with Denver getting all of that experience, having to fight from three, one down twice, beating the Clippers. Um, and while, while the Lakers did just take it to them, Denver put up a fight during the games, Right. Um, they, they made them fight for it, but Denver is, is going to be a team that you're going to have to, to get by for a long time now. No, I, I agree hundred percent with that. Denver has always been and will continue to be a very good team. Um, they just lacked that really that finish, that polish from an offensive player that can go get his own shot because before this that's what they brought Paul Millsap in for because he was actually um, a very accomplished offensive player. And once they brought in Jokic, he's been building up for it. And obviously the big star, the big name, Jamal Murray, who's actually taking them, in my opinion, the second biggest leap out of any single player in these post uh, in this postseason. And you see what happens when you've got a go-to scorer of that caliber who can go get his shot, who can shoot efficiently from the field, who can do 
pretty much anything you saw, he, he did that amazing layup, Michael Jordan-style layup. <laughs> layup. Um, yeah. and, and it just wows you in so many ways, and it really gives your team that boost. Um, you saw Jeremy Grant take a massive step. You talk, saw Jokic do what Jokic does all day. Um, really great team. Really exciting team, especially for the fans because they see that they can do it. Um, it was just unlucky that they ran into a team with one of the top two greatest players of, of all time. I'm yeah. so glad that you said that and didn't say the greatest. God, thank you. Yeah, I. I <laughs> All right. I did not want to have yeah. that debate tonight. No, we'll we'll, that's it. we'll leave that for another day. We'll, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll yell. But um, but no, I feel like the Lakers just they have it. They have that killer instinct where they knew you've got so much talent on the Denver side, mm. but all you have is the blood, sweat, and tears from that Lakers team with a lot of, you know, a lot of like older generation people, a lot of veterans, but you've also got LeBron and Davis who just destroyed them on all ends right. in those, in that, in that series. It's very Not impressive sure. actually. It, it was and they actually have a, I remember reading somewhere where uh, during, during the final game, LeBron kind of just told everybody uh, just give the ball to me. And then, I mean, you saw it, it was classic LeBron. And thirty six, you can't fourteen and ten, right? You can't take it away from him. Like, there's nothing you can say. He's, he's a monster, and he turns it on when he wants to. Um, <laughs> it's it's amazing to watch, but I don't think we can take any even even from that. You can't take anything away from Denver. I will say the one thing that I'm really interested in, though, um, now that they lost their general manager who built that team, I'm really interested to see if they can continue building the same type of pieces uh, on that team that put them into the contention, or if there is bad deals done or um, bad drafts, whatever it may be that actually send them in the other direction. I mean, constructed right now, they're fantastic and they're going to be fantastic, but you obviously need to build a little bit more. So um, I think that's going to be a fun team to watch. I really do. Oh yeah, absolutely for sure. Um, one one note I wanted to add, like someone that really wasn't super talked about, or two people actually that weren't super talked about, uh, just as role players for for Denver, uh, Michael Porter Jr. I mean, you know, he's if anything, he's not even he's a third or fourth option, you know, between Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, you know, Jokic, having those players, and this is his first year in the playoffs, is his first year in the NBA. And he goes out and he still drops, you know, almost 12 points a game. I mean, it's 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 these people like Mike, like Mike, Michael Porter, Porter Jr., my apologies, and Monte Morris even, um, who who had a couple of good games that you depend on off like even off the bench or or whether you you start Michael Porter Jr. a game to really give you that little push from from the scoring from the bench and um, and give the re- give a little bit of relief to Jamal Murray and and Jokic from. Um, from having to score all the points or or get all the rebounds, they they played their role and um, they also deserve credit for for what the Nuggets did and how far they came along. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree with that. He took a massive step in these um in this postseason. He he's exactly what people thought Kyle Kuzma would be in the absence of Ingram and, and Ball Lonzo. Um, I think that. If he was given the right 
amount of playing time in the right system. He can really flourish as a player. He's a a natural scorer. He's got an NBA-ready body, really tall, really strong. Comes from an accomplished family of basketballers in the past. Um, He's just, he's built for the game. And if he can get some proper playing time in the right system, um, under Mike Malone's system, which is notorious for actually letting um, your role players really excel as uh, alongside your stars. So I think it's a really exciting time to be a Denver fan, um, especially with Michael Porter Jr. on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, it, with that point, to get him more minutes, do you let go of an aging Paul Millsap, who is a free agent this year, and and give Michael Porter Jr. that starting role at power forward? Or do you, you know, keep him on the bench a little bit, let him grow, let him learn from Paul Millsap and re-sign Millsap? I mean, that's a big decision um, for, for Denver because this year Paul Millsap was getting paid $30 million. Um, not saying he would want that money on an extension, but he's, he's not going to take much of a cut in my opinion, obviously being, you know, the role player he is, but he's going to be 36 next year um, when he's playing. So do you, do you let him go to another team and let your young talent flourish with Michael Porter Jr.? Or do you trust a veteran like Paul Millsap to, to continue to start? Or do you keep Millsap and put him on the bench and have Michael Porter start? It, these are so logistic decisions that, that the co- not only the coach, but the general manager have to make. And, and it's going to be interesting to, interesting to see what the Nuggets do next year with their team that they got. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I think you keep them, personally. Um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, the veteran presence really helps, and he's got a lot of it. I I think that, I mean, I don't know. You say he's not going to take much of a cut, but at 36 years old, I, I don't know, man. I can't see him making anywhere even near 30. Um, it's it's going to be hard for him on any team to make that. Uh, I Fantastic experience and, and still a great player, but – I guess we'll just have to see where the market goes. It's really hard for me to see somebody even saying, Hey, you know, we're going to give you another close to $30 million contract for X amount of years. Like there's not many teams that are going to, I feel like pay that, but I could be wrong as well too. I'm telling you right now, there is no way that a team pays a 36 year old Paul Millslap, anything close to 30 million. I feel like he's, there is a market in this league for, veterans at that, at that position who have been through it all. But for someone who's averaging 11, 6, and 2, and I know it's not all about the stats because he wasn't playing, he was only playing 24 minutes, but his experience is much more valuable than his stats. But that saying that, no team will pay $30 million for that. I feel like he, he if, the, if the Nuggets can get him on a good deal around a 12, maybe even $15 million contract, maybe maybe not even that, then get him on that. That's fantastic. But um, if he's looking for that money, he's going to have to find it on a team that has that cap to shed, like a Charlotte or someone like that. But like I said before, there is a market for players like this. I feel like he'd flourish in a Houston, something like that. But he's very valuable to this Denver team, both on the defensive side. And he's also been to the playoffs several times in his career. He's played around stars. He's played around the league for 14 years now like he's very he's very accomplished so i just want you to do me a favor when you're on the podcast from now on please 
Uh, let's never mention, uh, mention Houston ever again. Please. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan. Not a fan. I, um, no, no, not, not at all. That's great. <laughs> that, that, that team to me, while the talent is phenomenal, Oh, I absolutely hate doomed. the way they are constructed. It is, it is a um, doomed. It is a doomed team from the start. I've said this time and time again. Well, for sure. But here's my thing. Here's my thing with them, and I'm just gonna make one point. I'm I'm from an older generation, right? I watching watching basketball, you know, take shape from the time when I used to watch it, where it was you know about nothing but defense and you know low scoring games to come out and to watch a, a um a team that is literally built to just score 170 points a game and try to blow your doors off. It just, it just doesn't feel right to me. You know what I mean? It just doesn't do it. And then when you mix players like Westbrook and Harden, it's something weird about that combination. I just really dislike it. Um, and, and I, and I, I'm a point guard guy. I love point guards. I love me a great Russell Westbrook, but not on a team with Harden. I don't know what it is. I don't even, I can't even to myself think of a good player to pair with that man. It's so weird. I love his game. He, he's very good at what he does. I just don't like it. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, end of my rant. (laughs) If I could add one quick point, and then we'll stop talking about Houston in its entirety for the rest of my my podcast career. Um, I feel like what you said was the most accurate statement was the fact that you can't pair anyone with a James Harden and Russell Westbrook because they've both been so spoiled for so long on their individual teams. And they've had their own systems right around them. When Durant left, it was Russell Westbrook's team. There was no doubt about that. When Houston... When Houston acquired um, Harden for Kevin Martin, I don't know how that trade even worked, but two second-round picks was was beyond me because Harden in himself, he's a great player, and he's sure he could be a great scorer night-to-night basis, but you brought in a coach in Mike D'Antoni who's done nothing but play three stars his entire career, and you've spoiled him. Now he'll never be able to play in a role in a submissive role because you can't take a player that's going from averaging 30, 36 and eight with 85% of the ball and the ball touches his fingers, every single possession and pair him with another guy like that. So just, just to piggyback off something you just said, and I just, I just thought about it and I'm going to play devil's advocate here because this is the way that I think. You just said how you don't know how that trade happened, right? Now, start to think about this. With Houston probably not winning a title in the next, I don't know. Let's let's put this, how about we do this? With Harden probably not winning a title here in ever, um, was the trade actually worth it then? Like, you, you just wasted a whole bunch of years, right? You wasted a whole bunch of years being mediocre. <laughs> Was it even worth it? I don't even know if it's worth it. Like we look at the trade and we go, man, that doesn't seem like a great trade just because, you know, James Harden can score 300 points in a game because that's all he ever does is shoot the ball and nobody else touches it. Was it even worth it? Or could you have built a better team by now? Absolutely. 
it's 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 actually a waste on both sides because they they had a system that worked for Harden playing that six man role. Obviously, he wasn't happy. He wanted something more, but you could have incorporated him, and they decided to choose um, Ibaka over him, which is fine in the hindsight because they made a finals, you know, with him. So they thought that that's what they needed. And back in 2012, it was still that low post game, and that's what Ibaka could offer. But you're right with Houston; they've they sold their soul for this player. And it's gotten you to a conference semis how many times? And it's not looking good, their future, unless they can make some amazing moves and a massive culture change in Houston. You'll never see it. You'll never see a championship there. For, I won't say never. I would say for the tenure of, of Harden, you won't see that there. But anyway. All right, so... Um, I'm just going to say one last thing. Uh, if ahead. Houston comes out next year and wins a title, I'm quitting podcasting forever. <laughs> I'll watch yeah. Badman for the rest of my life if that happens. <laughs> yeah, okay, anyway. Um, so I was actually thinking, and I know this is kind of on the fly, but I think we should do the finals thing last, um, okay. kind of for, like, predictions Absolutely. and stuff like that. Yeah, let's do So, it. Yep. like, maybe we jump to, like... Um, all the Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm cool with that. I'm all good. All right. So for those who have not um, heard from an article, um, I'm trying to find it here. I need to start following more people that you follow because I don't it was, have all that. Stuff. <laughs> it was an ESPN beat writer. I know that. Right, um, right, I right. might not have retweeted it, but an ESPN beat writer um, showed that Victor Oladipo is requesting a trade with one year left in his contract. I mean, okay. I would too if I played for yeah. Indiana. Dude, uh, they like Indiana. <laughs> come what on. They got? <laughs> <laughs> like, cornfields on cornfields. Yeah, right. You know, it just kind of is what it is. Um, I, I, I don't. I mean, I guess the story here is not so much, you know, the problem of him requesting a trade, but where is he going to go, and where will he fit? I think I, he's I think got a lot of ton. options. Exactly, there are a ton of teams, but th- that's like the main topic here. It's not that oh, you know, he's requesting a trade. Well, yeah, why wouldn't he? But which team do you think is the best suitor for him, and which team would would offer Indiana the best package? Well, it really depends on what Indiana wants to do. Um, do they want to give him up and start a whole new rebuild? You know what I mean? Like, what do you? I guess what are you looking for? Because those are two different questions. One question is what suits him best. I mean. If I'm going to be honest, and we talked about this beforehand, um, I like Boston. If you were to pull off, you know, in, this is, I'm really glad that uh, you mentioned this earlier, earlier, GT. If you can pull off this Andre Drummond, and then you can also pull off um, an Oladipo, man, it I think that so many ways. I think that Boston becomes a, a hell of a, a team to, to beat in the East. Um, but. But the thing is, is, you know, what the other question then comes out to be, what is Indiana looking for? What are they going to do with their team? Are you exploding it? Are you, you know, what's, what's happening now? Where do they go? Well, just to chime in on that, I think um, it is a second rebuild because they're also looking to trade Miles Turner as well. That's a good person for somebody to pick up too. I like that. Right. Yeah. And that's another person who's um, been very deeply connected with a Boston Celtics move is um, is Miles Turner as well. So that's an interesting lookout from there. He's been rumored huge. But with Oladipo, 
And I'm not just saying this because I've been a 12-year Heat fan. Uh, I feel he's got such a connection with Bam and Jimmy. They've been in, <clears throat> in, um, in constant conversation, been in constant talks with each other. I think it's going to be neglectful to not even suggest that he might find his way to a Miami because they could always use him. And I feel like I've, I've heard nothing but good things about Oladipo and, and his relationship with Miami. So I don't know what that trade package would look like. They were actually hoping to really push for him in the 2021 free agency. I know that for sure. Um, they really, really were trying to get him then. But if he's going to come on the market now, it might have to cost you a Duncan Robinson um, and a Kelly Olini. It, it might, it, God forbid... That might maybe just this drill, but it might even have to cost you a taller hero. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's worth it. I'm and that's gonna, never I'm gonna, gonna go. Gonna, it's never gonna happen. Yeah, I'm gonna they go. trade taller hero. I will. I will march from Melbourne, Australia, to Miami, Florida, and I will. I will kill Pat Riley. <laughs> yeah, I, I would uh, never forgive him. Yeah, that I. I don't think if he's if he's that closely um, related to. Uh, or, or in with Miami, I think that no matter where he goes, unless they wow him, I don't. I think it's kind of like a rental, and then he'll be you know there in the next free agency for Miami to go ahead and go after. We got to remember as well. He's come off a very serious injury, two of them, and he's come back from one. Then he got injured again. Now. I have no doubts that he's still going to be a very good player. You saw it when he came back in the playoffs. He was still a very good player against Miami. He had a 28-point game, 8-5, eight, eight five, five steals, five block. Like, it's, um, it's huge. He's a great defensive player, um, and he has a lot to offer a team. But with a year left on his deal, I feel like it diminishes his trade value ever so slightly because – He's made it known now that he wants to leave. So teams can really abuse that power when negotiating. But Indiana can just as easily say, no, we'll keep you until next year, and then you can leave the free agency. Obviously, it'd be quite negligent of that franchise to do that, to upset a star and to not cash in on him while you can. But it's still, um, I think it's still something to look at. Yeah, I think they would be, I don't know, man. I think they'd be really stupid not to cash in on it. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. I think Miles Turner brings a lot to the table, like you guys were saying. But I think a good point was him coming off of two injuries. It's just, uh, it's 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 a risk factor, you know. Like, um, is he going to perform how he how he was before he was injured? I mean, Miles Turner is still young, right? So he's he's twenty four years old. He still has definitely you know time to grow. And even under some veteran leadership, he can he, he can be a top contender for like a top three center in the league or top five center in the league. It's just what system will fit him. And you know, I, I he's he gives as much on the offensive end as he does on the defensive end. So you really got a star in Miles Turner. It's just how you use him. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Heat, you know, the great great area. And um, and team for him to go to, or even the Celtics, like you were saying, it's just, I think both of those teams would really benefit. And there, there are multiple teams that would benefit from him. But 
I think the Heat and uh, Heat and the Celtics are definitely top two um, in teams that would really benefit from him and possibly even win a championship. I'll I'll just add two very very quick things. Um, you're going to see a lot of players linked to Miami in this trade period just because of the system they've implemented, um, incorporating nine to ten guys on any given night, and they've got so much talent and there's so much appeal to be in what my opinion is the best culture in the entire NBA. And that might just be my bias speaking, but it's huge. It's huge for the confidence for, for the players and, and players wanting to go and flourish in a, in, a, in a market. And my second point would be Miles Turner has a lot of potential for other teams, but it could also just as easily stay in, in Indiana and grow there because they've got a real interesting uh, crossroad that they're at. They have just fired their coach, not just, but a couple of weeks ago, I fired their coach. They're still looking for a new one. I feel like a Mark Jackson fits perfectly in that market. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, a time where you can really incorporate a brand new culture and a brand new system to let your stars flourish um, by picking a new head coach and going in a different direction. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree. Um, I think Indiana, I mean, they got some good pieces. Don't get me wrong. They have, you know, Oladipo. They have Miles Turner. I mean, they they picked up um, Malcolm Brogdon from from the Bucks. I mean, that's just that's it's a great you know a great piece at the point guard. Not saying that like you know top piece, but at the same time, it, you you can't underestimate him. You have T.J. Warren. You have Domantas Sabonis. Is a Sabonis, Sabonis. Like I huge. Like I don't understand how. I mean. You look at the Pacers. They're four. They were forty-five and twenty-eight. That's a great record. In a shortened season. As well. In in a shortened season, right? So so they're second in the Central Division, only behind Milwaukee. I understand why Oladipo wants to get out of there, you know. But do they try? I mean, with Oladipo saying he wants to be gone, do they still try for the playoffs with the team that they have? Or do they say, all right, our star wants to leave. The person we built around wants to leave. Let's get rid of Miles Turner. Let's get rid of, you know, insert name here, insert piece here, and go for a complete rebuild. Because I think you can get some really good draft picks for, you know, people like TJ Warren or Sabonis or Brogdon. You can get, you know, first or second round picks that you can build your team around for sure. You um, do not keep Oladipo and then lose him for nothing. That's like Absolutely. the stupidest move you could ever make. That is a Phil Jackson move. <laughs> that is a Phil Jackson move. I like that one. It's just not high IQ. But yeah, it's um, it's going to be a big watch because you can easily keep him for the year and try and convince him to stay, which is not ideal. Um, you could ship him to a contender or you can ship him to a young team. You can ship him to... If you could finesse a trade um, with Minnesota for their pick and pair him with Cat uh, and D'Lo. I think that could be a, an interesting prospect, but I feel like there's just, there won't be an alpha on that team, so it wouldn't work that way. But it'll be interesting to see where he can go and where he wants to go because he can request the trade wherever he wants. Yeah, I, I agree. And if, uh, if that's, that's the last of your guys' points, we can move on to the next topic. Let's go. Um, go with that. Doc Rivers. Oh, 
Okay. I got a so, good one for this one. I'm just so going to you guys to go. I'm just going to set this one up, and I'll let you guys take the floor. Um, so Doc Rivers fired by the Los Angeles Clippers, and, and it was interesting. Uh, you know, Mutual. So, mutual, yeah, yes. Yeah, she said mutual, but yeah, mutual, fired, to be honest. Mutually part ways, you know, whatever. Not mutual. Definitely not. Um, so, all right. I know – well, I don't know, but I've met um, – Ralph Lawler, the former Los Angeles Clippers broadcaster for TV broadcaster for 41 years. Um, him and I, you know, we talk on Twitter, you know, every once in a while. And I tried to get him on the podcast, but it was such short notice that, you know, I didn't give him really time to respond. But on his Twitter, he um, on September 25th, there was a there was a Clippers Nation tweet that pictured Pat Beverly, Montrez Harrell, Zubats. Um, Paul George, Doc Rivers, and Lou Will. And it says, what's the best move for the Clippers? Ralph Lawler retweeted it and said, of that group pictured, Doc is the top priority to stay. So he was sold on Doc. Disagree. Well, disagree too. But, (laughs) I mean, and then, you know, Rivers gets let go not too long later. And I I just want to hear what you guys think. If it was a good move, if it was a bad move, and and who's going to fill that vacancy? Who do you guys think it would be a, a good coach to fill that vacancy? Chris, I know you've got a lot to say. Would you like to start or would you like me to go? Mike D'Antoni. Just kidding. No. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> uh, no. So, no, you can, you can go ahead. I'm, I'm going to gather some thoughts here for a minute. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to rant, but I've got a couple things to say. You've given that man no choice. You, you've put him in the most impossible situation. And as much as I'm not a Doc Rivers fan, because I think he's a very overrated coach in comparison to other coaches in the NBA at the moment, but you've put some of the most controversial figures in all of today's basketball on one team. You've, you've put them on a franchise that's been building for something like this for a long time. They tried it with Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin didn't work. They've tried it now and they've cashed in their entire future for this. And you've put all of that weight on the shoulders of one coach. Now, I know he hasn't been past, he's blown 3-1 leads three times now. And it's pretty detrimental to your resume as a basketball coach because there's only so much losing you can do before you will get kicked out. You will get fired or mutually agreed apart um but you've just now opened a big jar of worms because he's the only person that could have fired in this situation you can't you could not do any other move but fire doc rivers you couldn't keep the team the same because the fans weren't having it people weren't having it you can't trade paul george away even though he's one of the problems because you just traded your entire future for him you can't trade away Kawhi, or you can't even talk about Kawhi because if you do, he'll just pull another San Antonio and bench himself and, and, and manage himself for the whole time and you'll destroy your chances again. So they could have only done one thing in the situation, that's fire Doc Rivers and I don't agree that this is the time to do it in the bubble when the Clippers didn't even want to be in the bubble in the first place. They were one of the two teams that said they do not want to be there. And I know it's not an excuse. No one's taking it as an excuse except for those two teams. Um, at the bubble, as the bubble, but you saw Lou Will. He jumped out, didn't want to be there. Harold has his own problems. Um, Paul George didn't want to be there. 
Kawhi doesn't speak. You don't even know what he's thinking half the time. But I feel like this wasn't the right move at all for Clippers. Because now you've just have to, you have to choose a coach who has no time to implement his new system and has to win now. That is the only time they're going to do it. They have to win this year or the one coming. So I'm going to disagree a little bit there just for myself. And, and here's yep. why. Um, so while I love Doc Rivers as a defensive coach, I do. He has proven now that he can't run an offense. And just think about it this way. You gave him, like you said, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin. Now, that offense was, I would say, a little bit ahead of its time as far as the change in the game, right? They were just – they were a great offensive team. Um, they – the, the pick and roll was great with Blake Griffin when he was, you know, scoring like he did. Uh, Chris Paul controls the pick and roll really well. Um, they were also very good defensively. Okay. Um, and, and that's attributed to Doc Rivers. So now this, I had this, I had this discussion with somebody at my work the other day and they don't think the blame should be put on him. And I'm going to be honest. I kind of do. Um, you did give, I, I think still to this day that, that team is suited to win now. Yes, you had struggles from Paul George. You did, right? But their offense, to me, fell apart when they needed to score. And that's attributed to your coach. I mean, as much as you can say that players take over, you know, the game and stuff like that, and Kawhi Leonard can. He can, he can take over and he can run plays when he wants to. That's fine. It is up to your coach to draw up the plays for them to run. And if you can't properly put in place um, plays that suit your star's um, habits or, or, or styles of play, then it's a coach's problem. They gave him what he needed to win. That team, regardless of wanting to be in the bubble or not, had, every, had everything they need or needed to win and they just couldn't do it. And I think it was a long time coming with all the failures of the previous generation of Clippers. He's great, but I don't know if he's great in today's basketball. I, I, I don't, I mean, you know, past basketball when you're playing a lot of defense. Yeah, for sure. He was fantastic. Now, man, I'm not a hundred percent sold anymore. I'm going to agree with you. I'm gonna agree with you, man. Honestly, I I, I liked what uh, the points you said. He's not suited for for today's game. Um, I I think you know he was given all the pieces he needed. Uh, he, not only this year, I even think with with the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan team, he was given the pieces he needed there. The yeah. Clippers were favored to win the championship this year, and in a three-one lead. Now. I, all credit to the Nuggets. They did absolutely fantastic coming back. Right. Don't take anything away from them. No. Don't, you never no. do that. But, no. but for no. sure, for sure. They, he, they couldn't close it out, and I believe that was a coaching issue because it, this is just a repetitive story for Clippers fans. And now this is the third time they've choked a 3-1 lead in the playoffs, 
and you've got you you gotta stop blaming the players at this point. You've gotta put it on the coach, not drawing up the plays built around your 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 players. That was just it for me. I it's it's hard for me to accept that it's just Doc's fault because you heard stories after game six, after a double loss, game six, that they had planned to go to dinner together. And they ended up, apparently, in quotation marks, bonding together. Now, when you're in the second round of the playoffs, in a game seven, the night before should not be a team-building exercise. Now, you can... I, I, I think it's just as much as Doc Rivers felt that one as it is the whole team. Because I said it before, I said it again, you put the most controversial figures of, in basketball in one team, you had Kawhi, Paul, George, Harold, Lou, Will, and, and, and Morris. They are, the, they, are do, they are the all dogs in their own world. They're really good basketball players in their own sense, but they're all wannabe alphas. Now, Kawhi has warranted that. Paul George has kind of warranted that. But you've got the most, and, and I'll put it back, comparing to the Heat, you've got the most anti-Heat way of playing in the Clippers. They don't play as a team. They, you know, they never did. They were managing Kawhi for mo- most of the season, and they barely put their starting lineup on the floor. Now, don't get me wrong. They're a great achieving team, and I, I feel like they were tied, in my opinion, as favorites to win the, the championship, as long with the Lakers. I know they took ahead of them, but I feel, in my opinion, that they were tied. But your team imploded. They didn't want to be there. They weren't happy. They didn't play well, and they crumbled. Now, this is when I kind of disagree with myself, and I shouldn't do this, but that could be Doc Rivers' fault as well because he, it's his job to not only draw plays, but to have his team on the same page all the time. And if they're not listening to each other, then it's a recipe for disaster. That's it really is. You it's just read my mind. It's a waste. It's a waste of, of, of a season, in my opinion. So it's what? a 50-50 split between the players and Doc Rivers, but I don't think Doc Rivers was the was the right decision to move on from. See, here, here's my thing, and you touched on it for a second. Not, it was a long time ago, but I used to coach, right? Um, it was my job, no matter how dysfunctional the players, to make sure that they were together in playing. And that's what his job was. So I don't, I don't care. I, I really don't. I, I could care less how dysfunctional every single player on that team was. It's your job. That's what you're getting paid for. Your job is to build the system for your players and make them all buy in. And if you can't do that, then it all falls back on you. That's the point of the coach now in the NBA. Um, it, the player's there to play, but if they don't have the right system, it's very hard to play. You have to build a system that is built it is put together to make sure that every single player fits in in the way that they can play. I think they were asking too much of Paul George and not enough of Kawhi Leonard. Because yeah, if you asked enough of Kawhi Leonard, he'll leave you. He well, doesn't like that. Doesn't like the limelight. Yeah, like the spotlight. But here's the thing. Then you let him leave. That's a, that's the thing. As a team, you do what you that need way. to do for the team. So if you if you can't rely on your superstar – that you got, if you can't rely on him to 
do what he needs to do as a superstar, as one of the top three players in the NBA today, if you cannot rely on him, then he needs to go because you're never going to win. So in my opinion, they needed to ask more of Kawhi Leonard to break down the defense and let Paul George just be what he is now. He is not the Paul George from Indiana. He is a Paul George that needs an offense created for him to take open shots, not to get his own shots anymore. And they didn't do it properly. And that falls back on the coach. I feel like ISO ball is really taking a backseat to the, to the real team style of play. And that's all thanks to the heat at the moment, because you're seeing that ISO ball really doesn't work as well as working as a team. Um, but that's just another point in its entirety. I don't know why I'm rambling about that. But um, Paul George is the most interesting piece to this because Kawhi Leonard, you know what he can do. He took a team to a finals and he won. He's done it. Paul George has gone from one system to another, to another in which he's flourished in, in all the roles except for this one. This is the perfect mix between the OKC Paul George and the Indiana Paul George, he's asked to do, they, they want him to do what Paul George did in Indiana, but he wants to do what he did in OKC. And that's where they're clashing. He didn't do Jack in OKC. I was, I was just about to say it that. It was fantastic. He was he a great player in OKC. Uh, he was an MVP candidate for three months. He won, coach, he won player of the month for two years, two, two months straight. Yeah. I, I, I guess... I guess what he was averaging yeah. 34. <laughs> I, I think what what I want to say with with the OKC thing is it, they didn't. Like, yes, okay. Paul George statistically and 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 such was great in in OKC, but look what the team did. They had they had Westbrook, they had PG, they had Carmelo Anthony. You know, in, they in, bombed into the Warriors. Like let's 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 remember that. That's true, right? But. It was a disappointing season because we thought, you know, that, well, at least I did, and I, I think, Chris, you did too, that, that OKC was going to be insane with, with, with the pieces they had. And it was just very, very disappointing. So, I mean, I guess you could say, yes, Paul George uh, on OKC flourished statistically. But as a team, uh, it, it was underperforming as a whole. I guess you cannot attribute that directly to Paul George, but you know it. it he's still. Hmm, I don't know. No team had the recipe to beat the Durant, Steph Curry, Warriors. I don't care how how high your ambitions are. Your team was never gonna like. Not your team. I'm saying any team was not going to beat them. You had two of the greatest players ever to touch the basketball on that team. You've got the third best, third or fourth best three-point shooter of all time on that team and the best three-point shooter on that, of all time on that team. You know, you had a defensive mastermind in Draymond, who I don't like very much, but he was very good at what he did. You weren't going to beat him. And I don't think that anyone was expecting MVP Russell Westbrook, uh, Paul George, and a 30-something-year-old Kamala Anthony to really impact that um, or stand in the way of their success. I can see where you're going with that. I can, I can get it. I, I have different hopes for Paul George. I want to, I, I want a, uh, 
I want a Paul George that leads, not just scores. And uh, we're not getting it, right? Yeah. I-, I want the Paul George from the Pacers back. That's 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 what I want. But I still think, I still think, that regardless of all of that, they didn't build the right system for him. I mean, if he's going to play like he didn't in OKC, which I'm not a fan of, but that's fine. Um, the Clippers, Doc Rivers and the coaching staff did wrong by them by not building that system for him. Like, I I don't know. I The Clippers were such a disappointment. I don't know. I, I don't even know what to say anymore about the Clippers. I never had them as my favorites to do anything in these playoffs. I won't lie. I never expected much from them. But that's just my pessimism. That's just, that's just the mindset. I don't like those teams. I don't like players that teams that don't conform to an offense and then really build on that. They were really just playing street ball for 48 minutes and hoping to God someone would do something great. And that's not the way you play a basketball game. No, I, I can see that. I, I, I agree with that. I, I get it. I for sure do. Maybe they um, do need D'Antoni. Who knows? God, they don't know. Nobody. I'm just joking. If he gets hired by a Pelicans or, or anyone like that, that is the most detrimental. They He will do nothing for their franchise. How Mark Jackson doesn't have a job right now, I'll never know. Yeah. I don't get it. I that mean, guy was phenomenal in building. He took the biggest – he was the biggest factor in building that Warriors team. He drafted them all. I know it's not his job to draft, but it was his job to to get that talent in the team. And he did such a great job. And for so so many franchises to lose their coaches over the last – when did Steve Coe take over? Six, six, seven years ago? Six years ago? For no team to jump on the Mark Jackson bandwagon in 2013 or something like that, after he did what he did in Jordan State, is the biggest – one of the biggest sacrilegious moves ever. That guy's just running away, <clears throat> talking to Kendrick Perkins on ESPN. <laughs> that, that's a fate I wish on nobody, because that guy is crazy. Um, and I think an interesting thing to bring to the Clippers' point is, I mean, we said they have the pieces, which they do. One of their pieces is actually free agent this year, uh, Montrezl Harrell, which He's not, you know, a small piece. He, he's a sixth man of the year. Um, so I think, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see it. if they bring him back, you know. Oh, didn't deserve I don't think so either, but, you know. He did not that's, deserve that's it. That's besides the point. Anyway. Yeah, no. um, I could our, argue about the Clippers all day. <laughs> oh, for sure. But you know Next, what they don't have? Sorry, sorry. Very oh, you're quickly. Fine. You're fine. Very quickly. They don't have something that a lot of teams crave. And that's a point guard. They do not have a ball-dominant, ball-handling point guard. And if anyone here is trying to tell me that Pat Beverly is the answer to that, I will throw hands. I, I do not think that man is a starting caliber point guard on any single team at any point in his career. He is nothing more than a disgruntled employee in a room full of managers. I don't like him. I like him as a player off the bench. I think he's great. But you don't have ball handling. You can't draw up a play without a ball handler. Miami's got 12 of them. Like, you, you, you need to have people who can pass, who can dribble, and who can do anything. But it can do, do, who can really facilitate an offense. Don't get Rondo. I don't know. But you can't have Pat Bliv. 
You should look I don't at get chat, it. GT. You should look at chat. Yeah, I'm watching it right now. And Lord Boke, <laughs> I don't care what you say. That He's not the man. <laughs> yeah, he's exactly that. What you said, the last comment. I won't even say it, but he's exactly that. He's not, he's not, he's not a point guard. Who's passing the ball? You, you had you had Lou Will half the time off the bench playing 37 minutes. I don't know how that man qualifies as a six man when he's playing 38 minutes. I don't get it. I don't. I, that's one thing that really annoys me. Just because you start on the bench and then play 38 minutes during the game does not mean you're a six man. It means you're being rested for when they bring re- weaker players in that you can dominate. But anyway. All right. What's, um, what's next? <laughs> next topic. All right. This is Boke's, uh Where Boke is going to shine here. I can't wait for this. All right. Billy Donovan. Yeah. Best move. Yeah, great move. Fantastic move. Signing ever. I think the Bulls, with with getting Denver's GM, who who somehow convinced the Bulls to trade, you know, Jokic for Markkanen, I don't understand. Well, that wasn't very hard. Look at our last GM. Come on. (laughs) Jesus. I you mean... guys, I have felt so bad for you. I really, as a look, I can sit here all high and mighty and say, um, look at my franchise, look how great we've done. But so many franchises really, you need stable GM and, and, and support from, from everywhere in your franchise. And you have been run by the biggest idiots. Like, there's so many words I could use, so many numbskulls. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. You guys have been hiring stupid people for so long to build a team that has so much talent on it. I don't get it. I don't. Ha- I don't know how a team with Zach Levine, who's averaging like thirty-three in his when he's playing healthy, you've got Laurie Markkinen, who's a, in my opinion, could be close to another Nurk Nowitzki, not not the same talent or caliber, but could could really personify that that play style, low post, fadeaway offense. He's got the three ball. He's got good handles when he needs to. I've seen him. Um, he's a good, he's an okay rebounder. needs to work on that. He just needs to put some weight on. Um, you've got Wendell Carter Jr. Who's a very good defensive player. You've got all this talent and all you have to do is bring someone to bring someone in to really meld that play style to, 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 really help you because you need help. <laughs> you need help more than Delonte West needs help right now. It's crazy. I'm so excited. It's not even funny. So I'm going to be honest. I'm, I just, I'm ecstatic. Sorry. I'm excited for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited for you because let me just read a couple of things that Billy Donovan has done since he was hired in 2015, 16. He has won, in those five seasons, 43 games over 500. He's got a win percentage of 60.08%. He has, and I know it's with, it was with Russell Westbrook and everything like that, but he's an accomplished coach. He's someone you can really depend on to build your team. You know, he, he, he can win in the playoffs. He can win a couple of things every now and again, but you know that was the limitation of his team, in my opinion. But I feel that this is this is the time for this man to really build a legacy for himself outside of OKC and really help a team that needs guidance. You need guidance because if you don't, then you're going to lose everything you've worked for and you have to start again. Well, 
here's here's what I'm more excited about with that signing than just him in general. Um, I think this finally, and because I am just a diehard Bulls fan, uh, this finally signifies us being ready to spend money. We're ready to spend the money that we need to get what we need. And I will, I'm going to disagree on one point that you brought up. Um, and, and not really disagree. I'm only going to more or less. Challenge it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to challenge it. I think uh, for the team, maybe Markinen could go and you build around Levine. Now I'm still, even though he's, here's the thing, scoring, averaging over 30 points on a team that really doesn't have much offense. Okay. And it isn't run very efficiently. If you're a good player, isn't bad. But when you start to become a contender or you start to become somebody that people have to pay attention to, I don't know if Zach Levine is still going to drop 30 again. I don't, I don't, I think that's going to go down when he starts to get very, um, when he's, when he's targeted. Right. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure that Zach Levine is your guy that you build around. I think that there's a potential that we start making some trades and looking for different options. Right. And I, okay. This is, this is going to sound crazy, but one that um, we were talking about kind of at work one day, um, I would like personally, I think would fit the system well. Um, and I think is a better building block. I think it would be kind of cool to try to put together a package for Booker. If you could, okay. oh, if you, I thought you were going to say Tyler Hero. No, no, no. If you could, if you could put <laughs> together a package to get um, Booker out of Phoenix, um, just due to it doesn't seem like Phoenix is really going to do much with him. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, really, I don't know what Phoenix's plans are, and I don't even know if that's even a viable option. Um, but I, I really like that move. Um, and I, I feel like the ceiling. Sorry, sorry. No, no, good, good. I feel like the ceiling is so much higher for a Booker than a Levine. I feel like what you're trying, like, when you put someone on an offense where it's literally all about them, aka James Harden on Houston Rockets. So bringing it up again, you you really get inflated stats. It's like you're watching per thirty six minute stats. It's really what you're watching. You're watching a team that has no other option but to play through that guy. And I feel like you're right with Devin Booker. The ceiling's a lot higher in in. Overall scoring, you know, and, and, and it just hype as well. You need someone to build that hype in a franchise. Now, you're never going to get that rush of having a Michael Jordan again and a Pippen and, you know, winning six. It's not going to happen, but you need to at least replicate something of that caliber. You need to excite people because you are a big market. Chicago is still a big market. You just need to have players that promote faith and can get other players in there. And a Devin Booker might do that because everyone loves Devin Booker. Yeah, if yeah. you don't love Devin Booker, I don't know what your problem with basketball is. No, exactly. I love Devin Booker. He's an absolute superstar. I think Devin Booker, like you said, is is the piece of Bulls need. Um, I, he can bring so much to that team and make that team so good. And I mean, not saying that the team isn't good right now, but they're with Billy Donovan and the new GM and the fourth fourth overall pick this year. Like, I would not count the Bulls out of an eighth. Seed. You don't want to mess it up. 
You don't want to miss that pickup. I know. That's a big but pick. I, I really. Don't, I, man, I don't. Know. I don't think you can. I. This guy literally got us to trade for Markin, and and they got Jokic. Like I don't think he can mess it up. I don't. I don't see any way that he screws it up. I really don't. I don't know. Even if but he who trades, are the, who it. are the top prospects? Who are the top prospects uh, besides obviously besides trading it, which would be the easiest option? You've got Lamelo. You've got Anthony Edwards, who's going number one. Listen, we will stop this podcast really fast if you ever, ever bring that up again. All right. What the draft or Lamelo? No, he said he said Lamelo. He hates Lamelo. I we he will, hates the ball. I will general. drop this podcast so fast. You have no idea, <laughs> ever. But it's the big baller, Brett. No, I'm just joking. All right. Um, no, look, you've got Anthony Edwards. You've got Ball. You've got Obi Toppin. You've got those types of players. But it's such a top-heavy draft. I don't know where the fourth pick could lie. You might might fall, and you might get an Obi, uh, a, 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 what's his name, a James Wiseman if he doesn't go the way. You, know? you might get Obi Toppin, which I think will be the second-best prospect in five years, in three, four years' time when you look back at this draft, would be Obi Toppin. I feel like Ball's just going to be... I watched him play in Australia. I watched him play uh, while he was here. You know? He's okay. He's nothing special. The way people make him sound like he's playing high school again was dropping, you know, 75 points a game. Which, he, he, when you come to Australia, he had one triple-double and then did nothing else. He's not that exciting. People just blow up his name because his last name is Ball. Can't stand it. Anyway, let's okay. Yeah, so Bulls phenomenal. I I love it. I don't know, Brandon, if you got anything else on that one, but I'm I'm ecstatic for it. But that's just my bias coming out. So I do have just I mean a little bit to add. They one thousand percent they need a Ford. Um, in my opinion. They they need a they need a solid power Ford. If they're gonna run what do you mean? they've got a, Doug McDermott. Small, small Ford <laughs> Wait, what? No, 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 he's playing for Indiana. So they got Denzel Valentine. Yeah, so I'm, I'm saying they need a small, small forward, but not power forward. My bad. Power forward, they got Laurie Markkinen. Um, so I'm seeing uh, someone, I, I'm not even going to lie, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, Denny Avdia. Um, Australian. Nine, yeah, 19-year-old, uh, youngest MVP in the history of the Israeli Basketball League. Um, you know, just looking over quick how he fits with the Bulls. Um, he's a good defensive piece and, um, he's only shot 32% from three point and 58% on free throws, which is not promising, but you're going to need someone in my opinion, just another smaller defensive piece. Cause you have Wendell Carter right now. Right. And depending on if you keep Chris Dunn on the bench or whatever, Chris Dunn's a great defensive piece. He steals the ball. Like, like one of like top people in the league. But you need you need a defensive piece. So in, in my opinion, if you get either a forward or a center um, to back up your defense, that that's what the Bulls need. They have the scoring. They do. Um, I saw a quote from Markinen saying he was underutilized in Jim Boylan's system, which I went down because Jim Boylan was got horrible. I mean, I don't know. Can, what we, the Bulls ban, can we ban that name from here? <laughs> can we, can we ban that name from here. I uh, don't dude, like that man. Uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> what a gross yeah. individual. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, if I, he can, there's probably nothing wrong with him. He might be a good. He might be good at a barbecue or something like that. Must be a top bloke and really nice to talk to. But I cannot stand that man. To to, I would never leave that man in charge of my offense. Even an under 15s basketball team, I wouldn't let him. I mean, if he can, if if we can get more out of marketing now, if it can build around him more, I'm I'm all for keeping him. I'll be honest, I, I like his game. I've always loved that type of um, forward. It, it we just have to see what happens this year. I know that they already said that they want to utilize him more, so we'll just have to see if he if he plays it out. You know what I mean? We'll have to see that if he uh, if he can actually when he's utilized um take advantage of it it's going to be it's going to be a fun season to watch to be honest yep all right big time yeah i mean really i don't know there's not too much to say it's going to be a hell of a, a finals um i i don't know do we just do we just go right to uh predictions is that like yeah what predictions, predictions, reasoning. then reasonings. Yeah, because I know what GT is thinking, and it's gonna piss all of oh. us off. So I've been waiting for this. We'll start with GT. Sure. <sighs> Go ahead. We've been building to this. Yeah. We had to repair our franchise from not paying D Wade. We paid Tyler Johnson. We paid James Johnson. We paid Olinick. We've, we've done it all. We've paid our dues. Now it's time for us to be relevant again in the finals. We have proven this year that we can win. We beat the one seed. We beat the Celtics, who were number one and number two, number one in offense, number one in defense this postseason. Overall, we beat them in six. We, I feel. I'm not going to put my bias into this now. That was my bias part. Now I'm going to take bias Georgia out of this and put my thinking cap on. If I'm going to be completely reasonable, there's still no way you can count Miami out. And there's no way in the, you'll never hear me say you're going to count LeBron out because LeBron is one of the most decorated players in the history of the sport. And I have this real problem in making a prediction for this. I, I could always tell we were going to win the first three rounds. I had this feeling. But now I've got this really ugly feeling. We're about to verse the monster of all monsters. But I'm still going to say eight and six. I'm going to let you go ahead. I like this one. But what? I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you take this for a second. Talking to me? Yeah. No, no I'm gonna let. Oh me? Yeah. Right, yeah I mean, we we got his. Uh, oh god. We got his prediction. So let's. Uh, <laughs> what you got there, bud? Lakers and six. I mean, in my opinion, um, I think the Heat have proven themselves as a fantastic team, and will continue to be a fantastic team in the years to come, but. I think the experience of the Lakers is what's going to win them. And the experience, what I mean, is the experience in their starters. Mind you, yes, Butler has had experience in the playoffs under Tom Thibodeau. Defense, da-da-da, great. 
but then at the end of the day, you're talking to LeBron James. And then you have Anthony Davis with him, you know, one of the best playmakers in the league, of Rajon Rondo. I, I don't think the Heat this year will win a ring. Now, if we talk next year and they bring back some pieces and even maybe add a little bit, I'm all for Heat winning a ring next season. But this season, against the Lakers, the pieces they have, the experience, the playmaking, everything summed up, I think, the Lakers in six. Um, to you, Chris. You, oh, man. I, I, I'm speechless. Oh, man. So this one, you guys are going to like this one. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. Because this is this is like the one topic I wanted to I, I really wanted to get in on. I don't know. I just got this. Uh, I got this feeling. Um, I'm going Miami. So, uh, you know, you you say how you're you're saying how you know um, is obviously LeBron. Of course, it's LeBron. And and yeah, cool. I get that. Um, and you said how Jimmy Butler has had experience with the video and things like that. Here's where we're, here's where I think the most important part comes into play. You remember when Jimmy Butler was playing on the bulls? Can you tell me who Jimmy Butler mainly guarded when he was on the bulls? He was that the LeBron stopper. He, yeah, he was the guy that you stuck on LeBron and you shut up and moved out of the way. And he did a damn good job of it. Um, and with Adebayo coming into his own, and I, I mean, he, God, he has become a, a, a phenomenal player. I think he's going to give Anthony Davis a run for his money. So now if we even out those two, and I don't think they're fully even, I still think the Lakers hold a little bit of an advantage, but, but when we start to look at the rest of the team, I think that Miami's role players do a better job. We're built different. I think, I think that that team together, I think, Tyler Hero has become a phenomenal scorer. Duncan Robinson, a phenomenal scorer. And so when when LeBron and Anthony Davis are stopping, you know, when they're stopping uh, Butler and Adebayo, Dragic, and, and the rest of them together, I don't know if you can stop them. I just don't know. This team, there's something about this team that just has me like – you know, I've I've counted against them now, obviously, for a little bit. And um, I had we seen more stumbles by them throughout the playoffs, right? I probably would give you like Lakers in like five. I would, but like every time I was like, man, okay, cool. You know, it's Miami and they're doing good, but you know, I face like Indiana and whatever. Who cares about Indiana? And then I was like, okay, Boston in X. And I was wrong. And Miami, like, they didn't just prove me wrong. They, like, stomped me wrong. It just, it is what it is. I'm going Miami in six. If I could just put my input there. Um, you're a good man, Chris. I'll just say that. Um, the, the thing about Miami let me tell you a very quick story that I heard the other night. 
Pat Riley tried to get LeBron James to come from Cleveland back to Miami after he won his ring, before he went to the Lakers. He, um, he flew to Cleveland and they spoke. Pat Riley sat in that room. Pat Riley stood, sat in that room behind the table and was talking to LeBron and Rich Paul. Now, Rich Paul really disrespected Pat Riley. He had the TV on there watching the TV. So much to a point that Pat Riley asked. Um, he asked for them to take the TV off just so they could actually speak to Pat Riley. Now, if there's one thing you don't do in this world, it's disrespect the Don. You don't disrespect Pat Riley. And he spoke to LeBron. LeBron heard him out. And he said, we'll let you know. On the plane back, he gets a call from Rich Paul. And he goes, you're going to speak to LeBron now. Puts the phone to LeBron. And he goes, listen, um, thank you for the offer, but no thank you. So you've practically spat in the face of arguably one of the greatest GMs to ever, ever be in the sport. Now, you can't do that. So what Parali said, he went back to home and he had a plan. And that plan's all come into fruition this year. You've got two of the most notorious LeBron stoppers in history. You've got Andre Godala and you've got Jimmy Butler, who are ready to, to stop. Ready to not just, not just stop, but to limit him. Because you can't stop him. You can't stop LeBron. He's going to get 22 or 9. He's going to get 22, 8 and 10. It's going to happen. Same with what happened with, um, with Giannis. You've got Bam, who's becoming one of the best onboard defenders in the entire league. And he's 22. He's 21, I think. I don't know. I think he's 21 or 22. You've got all these players. And while the best two players on the Lakers, the next seven are on Miami. You think you look at Duncan Robinson. You look at Hero. You look at Jay Crowder. You look at Iggy, who dropped, who went five for five with 16 points the other night. You look at, you look at all these players. You look at Kelly, who comes off the bench and gives you solid minutes. They all do their job. And they do it well. Look, sorry, and I, don't, I haven't even mentioned Dragic yet, who's been probably the best offensive piece on that team besides Tyler Hero and, and Bam Adebayo. Now, I don't know if I'm just being stupid because I've been a Heat fan my entire life. I've been a LeBron fan for a long time. I love LeBron. He's an absolute god of the sport. And he's he'll go down as the top two player of all time. Now, Second he best. Might, Get a race. He's, he could be number one <laughs> one day. One day he could be number one. But anyway, um, the end scenario for this whole thing is Miami plays their basketball. They play two basketball. But LeBron is too much and they might lose. But you've got to think objectively here. LeBron is still just a man. He's just a man playing basketball. Same with AD. And LeBron and the Heat so far have stopped plenty of them. They've stopped Giannis. They stopped Oladipo. They stopped, I'm not saying Oladipo is part of that dominated uh, uh, players, but he's still up there. Um, you stopped Tatum. You stopped Brown. We've done it. You know, we've, we've been there. But I don't know who, who is going to play on a notoriously poor perimeter defensive team outside of um, Caldwell Pope and Danny Green, who's going to stop Duncan Robinson? Who's going to stop Tyler Hero? Dragic when he gets on fire. 
Jimmy, who's shooting 40-something percent from three, somehow, I don't know how, somehow, in that conference final, in, sorry, in, in, against Milwaukee, he shot 50%. You know, who, who's going to stop those threes? On the interior, you might be able to stop Bam, but the cuts and the, the moves, LeBron's an absolutely godly defender as well as Davis, but I don't know how they stop the movement. And we're forgetting the most important piece here, the big narrative. It's Eric Spolstra. If you think he's not going to do something shifty to get revenge, then we're crazy here. Because I don't know what Frank Vogel, who, by the way, Eric Spolster destroyed when he was part of the um, Indiana Pacers, when, when he had Paul George and Hibbert and Delonte and, and, Delonte and uh, David West. He's going to coach circles around him. And I just feel like that's going to be the difference maker. So... I think you guys should win a win an award in persuasion because you've actually like persuaded me to change my narrative. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that I don't like the points about beating Milwaukee. It's not that damn hard. Yeah, Milwaukee's not hard. But I no, with the points you guys made, like collectively, I see what you guys are talking about. Yeah, and it's... honestly, I, I'm gonna change it. I will go Heat in seven. I'm not gonna say six. Oh, I'm gonna go seven. I don't know about seven, bro. I don't. I don't think, I think, you go I seven. think. I think if it goes, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be honest with you. If it goes seven, if it goes seven, it's it's Lakers guaranteed. And the only reason, the only reason <laughs> I'll say that, is just because if LeBron James is in a game seven, nah, I. I don't. I don't see him. I don't see him being beat. I just don't. I, I see a game like he just had against the Denver Nuggets when he's like, "All right, guys, let me let me just do my thing." Um, I, I think in a game seven he wins. I'm just gonna have to look at something very quickly. So, Brandon, if you want to add something, um, all right. I'll uh, let me just um. Let me just put this out there. LeBron James is averaging in game sevens. Close to 40 a game. 12 boards and 11 assists. That's in game sevens. He's scary. He's a scary man in game seven. And I, I, I can't see how... I don't see, I, it's going to be very hard for the Heat to overbeat that, even with all the team basketball. Well, it's yeah, be very and, different. And the other thing is, is this team in a game seven, your your non-veteran players, they're going to shake against LeBron, and so that's I, I can I can see the Heat pulling it off in six, but if it goes seven, I'm swapping to the Lakers. That's just you know, I just don't think. Yeah, I, I don't know how it goes to seven. I don't know because if a team breaks another team, if it goes two, two, three, I don't I don't see how that works. I feel like if a team, it's all about momentum. These series are going to be all about momentum. If, if the Heat win the first game, you know, it's going to have to be the Lakers win the next one. Or if, if the Heat go 2-0 up, I don't see how they come back and beat the Heat 2-0 up. I don't know. I feel like you have to match them at their game. If Same thing with Miami. If they lose game one, they're going to have to win game two. I don't see, cause they, I don't see them coming back from a series. I, I feel like they're great competing for those wins to, to win now. But if they go down and get demoralized, I don't know how they can respond because we don't know how they, we haven't seen them gone down in the series before. You haven't seen them lose one nil. We've seen them win, go up three zero, go up four zero, 
You know, we've seen them go, th- was it, 3-1? Oh, sorry, 3-2. You know, but they're still up, even when they lost game game five in uh, against Boston. But we don't know how they're going to respond to that. But it'll be interesting. It will. It's going to be the best series. You, if I'm being completely honest, uh, or yeah, honest, <laughs> looking, yeah, I was about to say honest, bro. Honest. I, yeah, right. That's just my Milwaukee Bucks coming out in me. Um, but if if you're looking at Bam Adebayo and his defense in the paint, being a thousand percent honest with you, now, call me, you know, call me crazy. I feel like if LeBron, you know, for some reason, you know, pulls LeBron stuff and just drives past Jimmy Butler into the paint, I feel like Bam could stop him. Oh, for sure. I think Bam, Bam has the – he's got the size and he's got the stature. I mean, just look what he did against Jason Tatum. And That's like, the only thing you need to watch. <laughs> that block right there was all you need to watch. Yeah, that, that was the most disgusting play, defensive play, most disrespectful play I've ever seen in a basketball game. And that's and that's after watching what um, – what's his name? Uh, LeBron did to Jason Terry in that game in, – in the game against Celtics. <laughs> just destroy. That's after watching what happened to Andre Iguodala after LeBron did what what did to him in the finals. You know, it's it's that was the most insane play. That's my screensaver, by the way, on my phone. It's it, that's how important that was to me. It's my it's my goddaughter, and then it's that. Like that's how important that block was to me. That was just incredible. I I screamed. <laughs> yeah, I think to be honest though, that you've got to take that into account when you're when you're looking at even a game seven I mean the Heat have I mean Jimmy like you said Jimmy guarded LeBron he was the man to guard LeBron and you know with him on perimeter defense and you know you have other pieces you you know Iguodala off the bench you have you know but in respects to LeBron you have you know Jimmy Butler guarding him in the perimeter and if he comes in the paint you got Bam Adebayo in that scenario, and even in a game seven, will LeBron drop 30, 40? Will he? I, I, you can't confidently say that, in my opinion, because uh, you have de- you have an, in, an insane amount of defense to stop him. You, you do. Here's one thing you're forgetting. In this game today, the one thing we haven't talked about, because it only, I think it will only really affect in game seven, the refs will 90% of the time call towards LeBron. They will just because of his stature. That is and something we we have. Yeah, we didn't. You know talk what about. I mean. So, I I don't think it's going to be as visible through the whole series, but I think in a game seven, it would make a hell of a difference. I do. Um, we haven't really seen many times uh, lately where the refs just let LeBron play. You know what I mean? We just really haven't seen it. So I think I think coming into a game seven, which is why I pick the Lakers in a game seven, but I think that. The rest will definitely call for LeBron, for sure. And it is what it is. He's here's the thing, he's earned it. I mean, he will go down probably as second best player to ever play the game. I mean, some people obviously, and especially in this podcast, think that it might go first. I highly doubt that, but whatever. Yeah, it's cool. Um, they're gonna... Sorry, your, your mic cut out. Then yeah, mic uh-huh. cut out. I heard. Uh-huh. I heard you say he's the best player of all time. That's yeah, what no, I heard. for sure. Yeah, no, no, definitely right. <laughs> um, 
he's earned it. He has, and, and the refs are going to call for him, and that's okay. That's fine. They, they're going to be those little tic-tac fouls that, that don't really <laughs> warrant a foul, but they, they'll happen. It's going to happen. But uh, sorry, if you're finished with your point, I'll just say something. No, yeah, you're good. I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm done. We're, I mean, we're running yeah. like, two hours yeah, here. I think. Yeah, we're running close to two hours. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be very quick then. He didn't play a lot of zone against Lakers. We saw it against um, uh, Celtics, but it's more for a perimeter team like that or a team that has a dominant midfield. Uh, midfield sorry, about soccer. Uh, a dominant uh, uh, interior offense, and they have both of that. They do have scoring on the outside, and they do have perimeter. Uh, so they do have interior scoring, but it's going to be Iggy Bam up top. It's going to be people like Jimmy roaming the paint. It's going to be switches, a lot of switches, a lot of trying to get them to shoot from outside. So I feel like if if the Heat can make them play to their game, it's it's going to be a known con. It's it's going to be a, a very hard ask for Lakers. But if Lakers are driving, they get they're breaking down the zone, and they're getting those fouls that they want ever so hard. You know. I really want those fouls, then it's going to be a very difficult ask from um, from Miami to get them to do it. I don't know what's going to happen there, but it will be it'll be the best finals in years because it's not going to be your Cleveland Warriors, Warriors this, Warriors that. You know, it's not going to be that. It's going to be two teams that are really trying for this because that's all they that's all they got left. They've got these finals and and they can leave the bubble. They're going to want to win and get out of there. For sure. So, my last statement to address somebody in your chat who says, uh, you can tell you're a Bulls fan that LeBron is second statement. I like that. Except, except, hold on, my guy. If LeBron was better, I would say it. And I'll tell you why he's not. If you take LeBron and put him into the 90s, okay, where Detroit was putting you on the floor and it wasn't a foul, uh, dude, I'm not going to tell you that he's doing the same things he's doing today because the calls wouldn't be there for him. And Michael Jordan did it. You know what I mean? Like, it's a different game, and I understand that stats are stats, and he's above in stats, but it's just watching the game, right? And here's the thing. I have no problem, none whatsoever. And Brandon will tell you this, too. I got no problem in any way, shape, or form saying – if somebody's better than Jordan, if somebody comes along in 10 years and blows the doors off of them, cool. Sounds good because I'm a basketball fan, but I will always say until he is beat until somebody proves me wrong, Michael Jordan is better. That's what it is. I just got to say Bill and beer. That's all I got to say. All right. You know what? We're done. So it's about two hours now. And, uh, <laughs> He's not going to let me go back. He's not going to let me argue against it. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna be done here with this. Oh god! Yeah, I was planning for a forty-five minute podcast and it turns into two hours. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, no, you know, that's, sure. that's my fault. That's no, my fault. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no. yeah, we had more people, so we had to kind of count for more time. So yeah, okay. no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. This, this was a lot of fun. I had a thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, so fantastic. Brandon brought us in, so I'm going to bring us out. Um, you know, yeah, I, I really enjoyed doing this. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a lot of fun. Um, and so for everybody that's listening, we are starting to gain a little bit more traction. Uh, I've been just watching our numbers on, on Anchor, and we are gaining more traction. It's not 
anything phenomenal. It's, but it's, it's building and I like it. I have a lot of fun with it. Um, so anybody that's listening to this, no matter who it is, we got our socials, uh, you know, Twitter, Twitter's where, where we're mainly at. Um, I do a little bit on the Instagram, but follow us on Twitter, interact with us, send us uh, through anchor. You can send us questions and, uh, things like that, that we can answer to, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun and, and we want to keep doing it. So I think this is from what we talked about, this is going to be our last podcast until after the finals. Um, we might give it just a little bit after the finals for some things to, um, stir up. So then that way, you know, we've got more than just the finals to talk about. Um, I don't know. You got anything else guy? No, I mean, uh, I think unless something absolutely crazy happens, from now until the finals. Like, Giannis you know, gets some, traded to Lakers. Anyway, you know, yeah. like, exactly, right? <laughs> so unless don't, that happens. Don't even joke about that. And unless that happens, I think, uh, no, for sure. We need, we're going to wait a little bit until things um, play out. I know game one's tomorrow. so um, I'm excited. Definitely going to have that on. But also, I have a, I have a sure. packed day tomorrow. I have a lot of projects to do. I have yeah. the Cubs game, first game of the playoffs at 1, 1 p.m. And then I have the NBA finals at night. So it's a packed night. I'm really excited. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and, and repetitively listening. I we, we appreciate the audience. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll start to to watch more baseball and uh, we'll make this an all around podcast and it can last six hours. Oh my! <laughs> first coming up, first twenty four hour podcast coming up. Hey, I will I will tell you right now though. You want to know something I got into? Um, just a, a quick side note that oh, is, you want? Yeah, you want to know something I got into? What man, UFC. That's oh, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm a big fan. That's huge something. fan now, now i'm not listen man i'm i'm in no way shape there there will be no discussion here on this podcast because i am not good enough to know anybody i just started getting into it but i will tell you that if it keeps going right i think we might have to incorporate it a little bit or maybe start a, a second podcast for other sports i don't know yet let's just get, whatever let's just get israel to sanya to come and talk to us for a bit because he's an Dude. amazing person I know, I know. Guys, GT, and I could, GT and I could easily make a tennis podcast. Oh, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, you guys have that. I'm, I'm dipping out in the on paint that one. in the court. I'm I'm dipping oh. out on that one. There's no way. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, again, Fantastic. thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for joining uh, this podcast, AGT. No worries. We appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for having me. So, yeah, I, I think that's it. You guys that's have it. a great day. Um, yep. Have a great night. Uh, hopefully you share this and uh, keep listening.